This is Carl Palachuk, and you're listening to the SMB Community Podcast, produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Introducing Gatekeeper from Calyptic Security. Zero trust access securing RDP and SSH connections with two-factor authentication without open ports to the internet, client installs, or VPN. Two years of partner-driven development brings audit-friendly access across all types of devices. Reduce stress and implement proper safeguards as advised by the FBI, NSA, and DHS all in a purpose-built solution for small businesses. Interested? Learn more by visiting calyptics.com gatekeeper. And when you do, tell them Carl sent you. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. This is Carl Polichuk, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Mr. James Kernan. Welcome, sir. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, uh, it's good to be here, Carl. Thank you. Thank you. And, and uh, you know, thanks for being the... I guess the the guest instead of the host today. Uh, yeah. What we want to talk about is that James has released a new book uh, called "Tech Up or Lose Out." Uh, so why don't you give us a thirty second overview of that? Thank you, thank you. Yeah, this is um, so I've written several books, as you know, and this is my first group or collaborative effort in working with some. Uh, other individuals, some other authors that uh, kind of came up with this concept and selected uh, uh, 11 of the brightest uh, tech minds I know, minus you, of course. <laughs> and uh, But it was a fun project, it very different for me because I didn't write the whole thing. I, I wrote the foreword, but then I worked with each individual contributor and we put together a, a 15 chapter book, about 185 pages of content and it's really the entrepreneur's guide to IT about, uh, about really leveraging technology as a competitive advantage in your business and kind of the, the do's and don'ts or what you need to know to grow your business with technology. And I think, so I think is this intended topic. for technology business owners or is this intended for just small business owners? So great question. The, the target audience of the book really is small, mid-sized business owners. It's uh, any, any business. And as we all know, you know, technology can be confusing, but technology is really required. And, and if leveraged properly, it, it can be a huge competitive advantage in someone's business. So we wanted to kind of dumb down some of the content, make it simple or, or uh, you know, easy to understand and, uh, you know, from chapters like uh, business intelligence and cybersecurity, um, uh, just, you know, managing uh, management and leadership is, is a chapter. Uh, so topics like that, cloud, uh, on-prem security, there's all sorts of chapters related to technology that, that's uh, filled with great content. Right. Um, so... With the, the, the co-authors that you have, are they all IT pros that, that you know? Exactly. Yeah, they're um, all uh, small, mid-sized business owners all around North America, a couple from Canada and, and most from the United States. Very cool. All right. Um, so I'm assuming you wrote at least one of these chapters. Well, I, I helped quite a bit. Um, we, did, we did have um, 
some help alongside me, but uh, we really put together the, the concept and, and handed off the, the individual chapters to, to the uh, contributing authors. And I think, I think collectively we did a great job of really pulling everything together. And uh, the book launch was just uh, last month. Carl, it was the 15th of the month and it became an Amazon bestseller on day two. So um, a, a real Amazon bestseller, a real Amazon bestseller where, where they put a logo on that. They say it's a bestseller. You don't, you didn't have to keep refreshing the screen until. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was not a self-promoted one, but yeah, it was, uh, it was quite an honor. You know, I think we were the number one bestseller, not the best selling list, which is the top 10. It was the number one bestseller in, in actually three categories. So um, yeah, because the book touches a lot of different categories, of course. And are you seeing that that uh, small business owners are actually looking for this kind of information? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And, and absolutely, I agree with that. Um, you know, in all my years of, of being on the other side of the table and in, in running my own MSP, I was always actively selling. And it was something I, I saw early on that most small business owners don't understand technology. And, uh, you know, you, you could walk in the office and in the parking lot, they drove a Maserati, but you walk in the office, they have got uh, the, the best of the best furniture, offices, everything is impeccable. And then you go in their server room and it's a bunch of uh, clone computers with cables hanging out. I, I got to say, that is such a great description because I always, I always think about the, the parking lot. You're like, okay, which one is the doctor's car, right? Yeah. Um, I hadn't thought about their furniture, but you know, some of the stingiest buyers of technology are sitting behind a $3,000 desk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> nice mahogany. Right. And, and it's like, oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a hundred and thirty dollar desk. It's like, but you'll have a hundred and thirty dollar laptop. <laughs> <laughs> well, it used to be my my joke. I would always kind of uh, <clears throat> aggressively sell to prospects and uh, I would always try to explain the value of technology. And, and then I would tease. And remember the old Hugo cars? Oh, yeah. I would I would come in and say, well, you know, what kind of car do you drive? A Yugo? No, you don't drive a Yugo. You, you probably drive a, a Mercedes Benz and technology is the same thing you need. And then the guy interrupted me and goes, yes, I do drive a Yugo. <laughs> <laughs> that, that only happened once. And then I didn't use that line. <laughs> so, but you say, don't worry, I'll come back next year and we'll have the same <laughs> conversation and you won't be driving that car anymore. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. It's funny. I was just the other day. I was having a conversation, and I was trying to come up with an example of a a low end car like a Chevette or something like that, Ford Focus. And I'm like, I, I don't, I can't name any of the new modern piece of junk cars. I don't know if they make them anymore. So yeah, they they certainly uh, increased in quality. I agree with that. So I, I just dated myself a little bit there, but uh, <laughs> a little bit. But yeah, but back to your point, absolutely. I think a lot of small mid-sized business owners, you know, they're not technologists. And so many of the MSPs listening, the, the business owners are, you know, very engineer type, very technical, sometimes over analytical and, and have a hard time of explaining technology. That, that's one of the sales challenges that they have of, of simplifying and explaining technology from a business perspective. And that's really what we tried to do in the book 
was explain things more from a business perspective or a human perspective as opposed to a technology perspective? Well, um, you know, one key thing, uh, the subtitle of the book is using technology to create a competitive advantage. And, you know, for the longest time, that's what I try to do in my business was basically I would tell clients, we will help you separate yourself from your competition with technology. Right. And that appeals to some, but not all clients. So Mm -hmm. you just have to acknowledge that you're looking at a subset of clients, but those that are willing to do that all have money, right? Right. They're, They're literally willing to say, if I can be faster than my competition, have better technology, you know, do more things, offer services that my competition can't offer, then I'm willing to pay for that because it will pay for itself. And they truly see technology as an investment and not an expense. Right. And, and many, many of these contributing authors are all part uh, of the, the mastermind community, the millionaire mastermind community, the, the peer groups that, that I run. So I've gotten to know these people really well. And one of the things that I try to do for my customers is help them market their business. And, you know, we really put a lot of thought in this, but when you think about it, you know, who is the ideal client for most MSPs? It's, it's someone who values technology, right? It's not somebody who doesn't value technology because if, if they don't, you know, those are the, the ones that buy all that Yugo type of equipment you know, that's not really a good customer, you know, and right. uh, number one, you know, we tried to appeal to that target audience that wants to learn more about technology and, 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 and again, try to leverage or try to show them, you know, how, how they can use that to help grow their business and grow their teams and, and make more money. Um, so indirectly, it's, uh, it's also kind of a, a marketing campaign where they can uh, attract or find ideal clients. Um, and hopefully they can, you know, give copies or sell copies of the book to their, their customers, but, but also prospects as well. So do you um, encourage folks to, to use this maybe as a, uh, a conversation starter for what I call roadmap meetings to have those regular business discussions with clients? I think a, a lot of people are even today reluctant to do that. They're like, no, I'm the computer nerd. I, I'm, I'm not the business consultant. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I um, so to, long story short, yes. You know, I, I think um, a book like this, it's a, a professional book. This should be your calling card. You know, you should walk in and when you meet a prospect for the first time, instead of handing them a business card, you hand them your book and you become an authority. It's a credibility builder, um, you know, and, and um, you know, I think it's a great opportunity to, to just have a simple uh, human conversation with the person and, and not like you're trying to sell them on something. It's just, hey, you know, here's my gift to you. You know, recent book I came out with and my contact information's on the back of it. And, and normally it is a great conversation starter. So um, when you, you had an MSP, right? For a while? Yeah, yeah. Very, you grew it big and sold it to uh, when, when it was... Uh, it had too much money for you to handle all at once, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what happened. So, <laughs> so did you engage clients in business conversations or is that something that you learned uh, afterwards? You know what I mean? No, it was, it was very much that 
that was learned when I was busy selling for my companies. And, uh, you know, I've trained all my salespeople, uh, worked. I was always the acting sales manager, I guess, until the very last company uh, that I had where I had my own VP of sales. But I was always very involved in, in selling. And, and we told them right from the get-go that I wanted human conversations, business conversations. Most business owners don't want to hear the tech, you know, the techie speeds and feeds of this and that. They need to, they need help. We need to ask the right questions to identify their issues, challenges, and concerns in their business and use technology to resolve those issues, challenges, and concerns. So that was the conversation I always wanted to have. And um, you know, I wrote lots of questionnaires for my sales reps for the first meeting and second meeting. And uh, I also try to make it very conversational. So it's not like you're filling out an assessment questionnaire asking 10,000 questions that they don't want to ask or don't want to answer. But uh, we try to make it a business conversation, but very conversational. I think that's important. Yeah, I'm, I've always found that the more you ask people about themselves and allow them to talk about their business, the right. smarter they think you are. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so it was always easy to say, you know, is your business growing or shrinking? Oh, well, let me tell you. And then they go into this long thing and you just need to take notes because they are revealing what's important to them and they're revealing what they think about themselves and their business and their environment and whether it's good or bad or whatever. And you can disagree with them, yeah. but how they view their business in this environment is entirely up to them. Right. Uh, and you, you're not going to change that, especially not in a first sales meeting. <laughs> true. True. Yeah, no, that's an important, important uh, point for sure. So will you walk me through what you think like a, a normal sales cycle looks like? Is it one meeting? Everybody always tells me if I can meet with them once I, I can close them. And I just never believe that. But, um, you know, uh, I prefer a very slow sales process where we don't talk about money until the fourth meeting. You know, I've like, so where do you fall on that one meeting, one and done or uh, no, no sales process or what? Yeah, it's a it's a longer sales process. I've um, uh, my MSP sales process is kind of the an eight step process, uh, kind of around the you know value selling. You know, it's a it's a great question to ask a sales recruit. I was like asking, hey, explain the sales process, what that looks like for you, um, and see if they start at number one, which is uh, prospecting, right. Most salespeople skip that and rely on marketing to get your leads. And that's a, a red flag if you're interviewing that person. But to me, the first step is, uh, uh, you know, finding, you know, prospecting, right? The marketing piece. The right. second one is qualifying. And the qualifying you can typically do over the telephone where you take the lead. You call to schedule the appointment, ask a few qualifying questions if it, fit your ideal client profile, then you schedule the first appointment and physically go out there. That, that first appointment typically is um, what I call uh, really the needs analysis, where you ask lots of questions, understand you know, more about the customer's issues, challenges, concerns. And then to me, the objective is that first face-to-face -face meeting is understand where they're at and to try to sell an assessment, okay? And uh, if you can do an assessment, then you typically gather the data that they don't know. And I think it's a lot easier to sell to them. 
then typically the second physical meeting is going out where you're explaining the value proposition, you're uh, going through the audit, hopefully, or your analysis and starting to share your opinion. I like kind of doing the, the wedge technique where, um, where you kind of put a range of pricing out there saying, hey, we've got a good, better, best solution for you. It ranges between $2,500 and $7,500 a month, uh, dependent upon what you end up doing. And just then I like watching the body language and see if they're nodding, if I fit inside their budget, uh, if I didn't understand that in advance. But, and then normally you narrow things down very quick at that second meeting. And then there's a third meeting where you're doing the face-to-face -face proposal you know, the propose and close and decision. Um, so, so to me, it's a little longer sales process, but there's a lot more, uh, your, your close rate is much higher when you have that much face-to-face -face interaction. If it, if it requires more than three meetings, that's a red flag for me. And maybe it's something I, you know, cut bait and move on. Uh, but, um, you know, it normally gets you pretty darn close to the finish line. Right. So, so yeah. you mentioned, uh, I think it was the second thing was qualifying. Yeah. Right. So um, this is, I think, where a lot of people fall down because they think everyone is their prospect. Everyone is their potential client. And I have spent a lot of time telling people that they need to get rid of clients who can't afford them. Yeah, You know, I think a lot of people in our business have built a business unintentionally, but they built a business on people who can't afford their services. Right. And so as a result, they're constantly begging those people to spend more money, but those people don't have any money to spend. Right. You know, they're, they're making a hundred thousand dollars a year. They don't have 30,000 to give you. <laughs> they're right. lucky if they've got 30,000 to take home and feed their families. So um, you know, it's, they're just, they're just not in a position to be your client. And, um, you know, a lot of us get into this business because we like people, we want to help them. We like technology. We want to play with their technology. Uh, but there are people who are just not a good fit and it's okay to just admit that that's a fact, you know? Yeah. That was, that was me early in my sales career. I, I chase everybody and I, I really truly believed almost uh, if I tried harder, if I made one extra phone call or two extra meetings or, you know, bought them a gift that I would sooner or later talk them into uh, becoming a client. And I guess we get wiser as we get older, but, uh, you know, figure that out a, a while back. And, you know, and it, it's also, you know, what, what I call the power of no. Sometimes it's like, hey, it doesn't seem like we're an ideal fit for you. Uh, why don't I give you a couple other names and numbers of some other people that may be able to help you? And sometimes you'll find when you do that over half, half the time, that prospect is back trying to sell you of why you need to stay there and still work with them. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think we are a good fit. Let's talk about it. And, right. and if they're not, let them walk away. That's fine. You just, you just freed up a lot of time for you to chase other opportunities, right? Right. And ones that can afford you. So how do you qualify? Do you just ask them, hey, so how much money do you make? Or, uh, you know, what, what do you spend on IT or, you know, what? Well, that, that's, a, that's a funny question. We, we were just indirectly talking about this. I would start analyzing that before I'd even get to the appointment, meaning I'd go to their LinkedIn profile. Do they go to a, a, 
you know, a distinguished school? Do they spend, spend a lot of money on education? Um, you know, what are their hobbies? Try to learn more about them as a person. Go to their website, read up about them and the company and what they're doing. Go to the building. Do they rent it? Do they own it? Uh, look in the parking lot at all their cars. You know, if it's a, if it's a whole bunch of VW Bugs and, and Yugos, then I'd, I'd jump back in the car and leave. But, uh, and then you go inside and as you're walking to the conference room, what kind of furniture do they have? Uh, you know, and is it a nice building inside and do they spend money on infrastructure? And then you can see their technology and then, then you really know. Uh, but I was always uncomfortable, believe it or not. Everybody thought I'm a very aggressive salesperson and I can be very direct. But it was hard for me to ask that blunt question, well, what's your budget? Because I know when salespeople ask me that question, I normally never answer. It's, it's, it's as cheap as I can get it. That's my answer. Right. <laughs> but, well, it's interesting because most people don't have budgets in small business. True. That's right. very true. I, I mean, I, it's, and sometimes like accountants, they know that when tax season comes around, they have to rebuy that you know, max tax or whatever their their tax software is. Um, and that's whatever, X number of dollars every year plus 10%, blah, blah, blah. But those same exact people don't budget for replacing True. their computers <laughs> yeah, or their router or their firewall or anything else. So indirectly, I normally would come up with my own conclusion, you know, by, you know, the, the pre-work ahead of time and then indirectly asking questions around, you know, well, well, how do you support yourself today? You know, is it fully staffed internally? How many employees do you have full-time, part-time? Are they all here? Uh, or do you outsource this? And, and if so, you know, what, what all do they do for you? Very quickly, you can come up with what you think they're spending for IT today that they're unhappy with and then you can architect the solution around there. One of the other creative questions when I see that they have a lot of equipment involved, I ask, you know, hey, do you have any kind of capital leasing program in place? And, um, you know, leasing transactions, you can lease, of course, hardware, software, and services. And, and uh, in many cases, I, uh, you know, in, in all my years of selling, we used to do a lot of leasing transactions on master, master leases because it's, uh, you know, I think the average sale rose 22% because it's like, hey, let's just do the full upgrade. It's only another, you know, $22 a month for right. the next rest of your life. And it sounds really inexpensive uh, when you do it that way as compared to what the total purchase price would be. So leasing uh, equipment, I think, is a great way to sell also. Yeah, I, I'm actually surprised of how many people I talk to that haven't pushed leasing to their clients when every distributor has a leasing program or partners with somebody or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, yeah. they, they, it allows them to sell more and it allows you to sell more and you can uh, bundle your installation labor yeah. into that without even doing a Haas deal. Creatively, it's another way to lock the client, in, you know, obviously you want to earn, earn their business for your merits. Uh, not lock them in on a contract, but, you know, master leases are, you know, can be exclusive to you. Um, and sometimes they're challenging to break, but um, we used to uh, almost like an equity line on your house. You could get a big master lease set up for technology spend. It just makes it a lot easier for the customers to say yes and keep upgrading. Exactly. So, uh, 
Love doing it that way. So um, with the, uh, the qualifying of clients, where do you draw the line between prospecting and qualifying? Because part of the prospecting obviously is, you know, you're, you're looking for people who can afford you and then you got to qualify them. So where do you like, what does that transition look like? So good, good question for me. You know, I, I call the prospecting part when, when somebody raises their hand, they fill out a form, they attend a webinar, they go to an event. That's what is called a marketing qualified lead. That would go to the salesperson, uh, or maybe the salesperson was the one who generated the marketing qualified lead. Then you need to have that conversation and ask lots of qualifying questions. And then when you schedule that first appointment, when you qualify them over the phone, or it might be a face-to-face -face interaction, then to me, it becomes an, an SQL, a sales qualified lead. Uh, so that's how I differentiate the two, MQL and SQL, uh, marketing qualified lead and and sales qualified lead. And, you know, for the bigger MSPs out there that have a full marketing team, you know, that's a, a great, a great way to explain it. And, you know, don't expect your marketing team to qualify the opportunities. You just want them to get leads to the best of their ability and then hand that off to the salespeople to qualify. Yeah, I always had, uh, I tried to figure out ways to do what I call uh, red velvet rope marketing, which is, you know, uh, I put up a sign at the Chamber of Commerce or whatever, and I'd say, if you have 10 or more computers, we can save you money on tech support. <laughs> and so nobody came to my table if they had three computers, right? And because I knew that they couldn't afford me and uh, they didn't know that, but they just saw that they were not my target. And so they kind of pre-qualified themselves. Sure. So, uh, but if, I think if you can find ways to do that, um, because, you know, I mean, when somebody talks to me, then my first question is always, do you have a budget for this? And if they're like, well, no, I was just hoping you'd fix it for 120 bucks. Like, okay, that's not how I work. So. Right. Yeah, no, I, you can tell I'm, I'm passionate about professional selling and the whole sales process. You know, I've, I've sold my entire life and, uh, you know, from different sides of the table, you know, the first half of my career, you know, actually selling directly or indirectly selling through my team and, you know, very, very successful. We had uh, some pretty big sales teams, but I guess the one cool statistic is uh, directly or indirectly, my teams have sold over a billion dollars of technology. And then about 15 years ago, I flipped to the other side of the table and doing a lot of sales training and leadership training. And um, so in, enjoying it, but I'm in the process. A lot of what we're talking about now is uh, a professional selling book that I'm working on. I've got the whole outline put together and uh, should be in print, uh, hopefully Q1 by the end of Q1 next year. Very cool. Yeah. So with, with the tech up or lose out, uh, if you're focusing on people who see technology as an investment um, and, and to create a competitive advantage, we started talking about people who already have that attitude. Um, is that strictly what you uh, target or do you try to convince people that they can see technology as an investment? Yeah, it's, it's really for both. You know, it's really to point out that they can see technology uh, as, as something that can help their business grow. And, it, and it's to really to simplify it, again, because so many people don't understand technology. And um, so it, it's really to attract, one, the, the person who does value it up front, 
And then the one who doesn't understand the value, hopefully we're explaining it in the book of, of how they can leverage it. You know, it's interesting. I always talk about Janet, my favorite client of all time. She, she was my primary contact at a nonprofit in California. And she never, she would never claim to be like the techno goober. Like she didn't get technology at a deep, deep level. Um, and she actually appreciated when my text would explain things to her in words she could understand. But she believed in technology. Like we have to have this, this must be an investment. And that's why she's one of my favorite clients is that she just absolutely bought into this belief that there's certain things that you have to pay for. And one of them is technology. And man, when you can find those people, keep them for life because they will just literally always be writing you checks. <laughs> yeah. She, she sounds like a, a gem and it, you know, someone who, who was smart and understood the value of technology and, and indirectly, sometimes this is hard to prove Carl, but one of the things I remember in all my years of selling, of, of saying to a prospect of like, look, it's my job. It's my responsibility to help you sort out your issue, challenges and concerns. And with your investment you're about to make, I, I need to show you or demonstrate either we can make you money or save you money with what you're doing. And if I can't demonstrate that, then I'm going to tap out and leave. And uh, we, it doesn't make sense to move forward. So let, let's figure that out together. And it, again, that's back to that business conversation that people want to have, not that techie conversation. Exactly. All right. Well, tech up or lose out. How to use technology as a competitive advantage in your business uh, by James Kernan and crew, I guess you'd say. Where do we find this book? So we've, uh, we've got it up on Amazon. Uh, you can go to Amazon. It's listed up there in uh, Kindle version or in paperback. Uh, but it's also available on the kernanconsulting.com website. Kernanconsulting.com. Just go to the e-store and we've got it available. Uh, no shipping charge there for you. But uh, so you'll save a couple, couple bucks uh, from Amazon. But either, either method, easy way. Uh, we've got plenty of stock. And uh, it's great stocking stuffer. So perfect timing. Exactly. This is what people are looking for for Christmas. So that's an excellent point. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Very so good. Great. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks for being with us today. James Kernan from Kernan Consulting. And we'll put those links uh, in the uh, show notes. Awesome. Thanks, Carl. Good to be with you. Take care. All right. Thank you. This has been yet another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.